What's up, everyone? This is Hannah with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. I am a physical therapist here in Charleston, and I am the new host of this podcast. This podcast is meant to give you the correct health and fitness information, along with spreading awareness of all of the different health and fitness professionals here in Charleston. I love being able to use this podcast as a way to meet all of those around me that are trying to make the world a better place. And my mission as a PT is to educate people and to empower them to take ownership and control of their health. This is season three of the podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Healthy Charleston. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. today's episode, we have Claire Burton, owner of Clarity Nutrition and Wellness, to discuss what nutrition coaching actually looks like, why nutrition should be individualized and sustainable, and how a calf cramp after double unders changed Claire's life. Claire began her career in research, but she loves her job as a coach. Claire is incredibly passionate and driven to change how we approach healthcare, and in choosing not to pursue medical school, Claire made the decision for herself and for her potential clients to live a different life. Claire preaches that you should enjoy your nutrition. It should be sustainable. We're playing the long game, essentially. We discuss the difference between surviving and thriving, controlling what you can control, plateaus, consistency, forming habits, stress management, and weight loss, and of course, cats. I really loved getting to talk with Claire. I'm so excited about the work that she does. Thanks for listening, everyone, and enjoy the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Healthy Charleston podcast. On today's show, I have with me Claire with Clarity Nutrition. Super excited to have you here, Claire. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about what Clarity Nutrition is. Yeah, so we are a nutrition coaching business, so basically think personal training, but it's obviously nutrition instead of training. So we really thrive on personalized coaching. So everything is kind of based on the individual. Um, Usually we're obviously set up to help people reach their goals, but the thing that differs about clarity is usually it's just more with a health focus and more of a lifestyle focus. So everyone can start a fad diet, but oftentimes it's not in coordinates with someone's lifestyle. So that's where we try to come in and kind of bridge that gap. So it's like a diet that you can realistic, realistically follow, but it's not, it's going to be more sustainable. It's not a six week challenge. Correct. It's not so I can look good in my swimsuit this Friday night. Yeah. But be miserable. Exactly. Right. So it's, it's like, what's the point of doing something if it's not sustainable? Correct. So when did you start Clarity? I started Clarity in 2018 when I graduated from MUSC. And at MUSC, I believe you were doing research. I was, yeah. One of, my brain says rats. Is that right? It was mice. Mice, okay. Yes. Um, that was our model, one of our model systems that we used. But my, I was getting my master's in biomedical sciences, and my thesis was on breastfeeding and actually yes, okay. looking at um, some molecular pathways and biomarkers for women who don't produce enough milk to breastfeed, which is where the mice came in. To play. I don't know how that relates to mice. That much, <laughs> well, so we obviously, so we're looking at. Do um, mice breastfeed? They lactate. 
Oh. So um, they're mammals, so they oh, produce duh. milk. Oh, gosh, I'm going to that part. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a really common question because I had to milk mice. And people were like, you can do that? I'm like, well, I mean, they are mammals. So, so that's yes. why you like to work with um, moms. Yeah, so that's where I – so um, probably familiar – I don't know. How many, like, presentations as a PT did you do, like, in, in at MESC or in general? Like, presentations. Like, researchy type presentations or, like, talking about – basically, like, any type of presentation, even if it's just, like, on a subject, like, pain. Oh, gosh. I mean, every, now I do that, like, every day, right. essentially. So yeah. when you, like, present something, especially, like, in an academic setting, especially, like, your professors mm-hmm. and, like, doctors and whatnot, always ask, like, the science questions. So it'll be like, what neurotransmitters are involved in pain and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So that was, like, my experience in research because I've been doing research pretty much since 2009, I want to say. Um, and it was always, like, you would get asked – sciencey things like what's the pathway involved why did you use this so when I would present my research and I presented at like student research day um a couple of other conferences I presented at a pediatric conference in Canada in 2018 it was like my last conference Mm -hmm. and every time I presented no almost no one asked me about the science Every single time was a doctor or a researcher or a postdoc who would just come up to me and be like, during my pregnancy or my postpartum journey, they basically just shared their stories and basically the kind of determining factor to having like a pregnant, a good pregnancy or a good postpartum was the medical care that they were given. And that's where I was like, huh, basically if you have good people on your team you're likely going to have a better pro- pregnancy. Most specifically, like pregnancy is a little bit more um, structured, I guess, just because you go through general stages of development. But when you go through your postpartum, like babies developing usually pretty consistently, but your postpartum journey is usually a little bit different. So that's where I was like, and at the same time, I had started coaching CrossFit. So it was just like there was a huge disconnect between the medical community and like medical care and then what was really happening in their day-to-day lives. And a lot of it really did center around um, nutrition and training. And so that's kind of where kind of the idea of clarity was going to come about. And so I really started kind of working with moms. And I really just connect with women usually a little bit more. So that's where I typically work with moms and women um, a lot of times. So you have an interesting story yourself of how you got into like CrossFit oh, and yeah. fitness, right? Can yeah. you share that story? Yeah. So I didn't, well, I started it because I forced my mom to start it and then she used the same logic on me to start it. Oh. She was like, well, I enjoyed it and you said blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whatever. So she made me go. So I've been doing CrossFit for like three months and then I had to take like a year off because I had a blood clot. So um, I basically... Started having leg pain after like a double under workout, which is why I hate double unders and will forever oh, hate you feel so double unders. That. Oh yeah. yeah, like the whole theory of pain is very yes. relevant to me. Um, and so I got it checked out, which was the craziest thing. Um, is that I got it checked out. I was having pain. I remember like to the day, exact day that I started having pain, and they missed the clot on the scan. And basically, the doctor at the time was just like you do CrossFit, you're making yourself unhealthy, it's dangerous, quit doing it. So What made you get it checked out? My dad had a blood clot my Mm -hmm. freshman year, or my senior year of high school when I was touring 
the college that I ended up going to, he was like, yeah, my leg really hurts. And then fast forward, he had a blood clot. He was negative for a lot of the biomarkers that, um, like the genetic biomarkers for having blood clots. So he never really like, we never thought that it would be something, but since I was having just like an unexplained like pain, like the best thing that I can like relate it to is, you know, on a day that you're like on your feet all the time or you run without stretching or like warming up it's that like weird calf cramp yeah like that That was like pain I got but it never went away so usually that would happen on like really long days but if I just like slept it off but it was like two weeks it was still it was still there it was still there so that's when I got it checked out because I was like you know what it's an easy like I was on my parents health insurance so I was like might as well might as well get it checked out just check it off the box rule it out um and so that was basically he told me not to do anything so I just did nothing for six oh, to eight weeks. Oh, gosh. Six to eight weeks? Because that's what... He, they, they said I tore a... Or likely pulled my plantaris muscle. That oh would explain gosh. the calf pain and then the swelling. Why plantaris? It's like... Because tiny. I had been jumping. What about gastroc or soleus? Like, right. just plantaris. Right. And, like, if you touched... Like, if you, like, palpated the muscle, like... You were tender. I was tender, which... Yeah. The DBT. plantaris is so small. Yeah. Yeah. It was just... It was... It's a whole thing. Obviously, I wish I had access to my scans back then because it would be interesting to like have someone else look through them but I'll never be able to do that but um so I had to so I finally when I was clear to like run again and I think it like drives a lot of what you guys do and what like I believe in is they basically said do nothing which basically just put like a pause like it was just a temporary fix band-aid but it actually it caused me to stop doing as much which allowed time for my clot to grow but because I had slowed my blood flow down I wasn't having as much pain so it stopped it. So I thought I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. But my leg was still really swollen. Like I pulled up a picture when I toured MUSC and my leg was like two inches bigger than my other leg. Um, yeah, so, just a torn plantaris. Yeah, just from a torn <laughs> plantaris. So I did the bridge run, which was probably oh, the smartest decision of my life. Six to eight weeks off and then you ran the bridge. Right. And then um, I woke up a couple days and I was like, oh, I felt good, whatever. So I started doing like some workouts and I woke up and my leg had like disc- it was discolored and so I called my mom and I was like hey something's wrong fast forward I ended up going home and they found the claw in my leg and uh then I had, ha- had been having chest pain too so I had clots in my lungs as well so did a couple of surgeries to put in a stent um in one of my veins and that w- it was kind of one of those like breaker I was actually I'm reading a book right now and a lot of people make lifestyle changes when they hit rock bottom Usually because it's like, say it's like a smoker who gets lung cancer and it puts things into reality. I think the weirder part of my story was no matter how healthy I could have been or wasn't at the time, didn't really matter. I was going to get a blood clot, but it still was that awakening moment of like, you're 22 or 21 years old. You need to be healthy because like you can't have close calls like this. And so that's where... I left a pretty toxic like college environment as well and moved to Charleston and just basically went on like a full 100% all in like lifestyle change like overall. like overall found different friends embraced different lifestyle basically committed myself like prior to my blood clot I went to CrossFit like once a week was okay. super inconsistent wasn't sleeping felt terrible like even though none of that drove the blood clot it definitely, I think, affected, like, recovery and the mindset going into it and everything like that. So it was, like, I'm never going to be in that position again. So that's where I, like, 
took 100% ownership in everything so that even if I were to, say, have another blood clot, it truly would be everything outside of my control. And that's kind of how I started um, my own nutrition and saw really good results in feeding yourself, not just not feeding yourself. Um, And committing yourself to, like, a good, consistent exercise routine. Um, And then because the results were so great in my mind, that was where I was like, well, I want to do this for other people. So it was like... There are so many things that I cannot control, but of the things I can control, I'm going to go 100% on all right. those things. So that if this does happen again, it wasn't something that I could have prevented. Right. So what did cause the blood clots? Do you know? Yeah. So I have a thing called May-Thurner syndrome. And so my iliac vein um, and artery are switched. So when you're born, I think the vein sits on top of the artery. And so your veins kind of like nestled into... Um, I guess wherever, like in your like back rib cavity or whatever, it's going to be protected because the arteries there, but I was born with it on top. So if you think of like a rubber band being like stretched or like your hair tie on your wrist, mm-hmm. that basically was my vein. So it was causing, um, basically a closure or like a reduced flow. spot. Yes. Did flow. you know about this beforehand? Mm-hmm. They found it okay. during, um, my, so because I was young, the doctor wanted to do a, thrombolysis procedure which basically they put a catheter in your vein so I had it in my popliteal vein that was where it like originated so they put the little catheter there and it would just directly put in anticoagulants so mm-hmm. it was directly putting in I want to say it was like warfarin or whatever but it's or heparin I don't know so they did that for like 24 hours so it was just like chilling in my vein so in doing that they did I think a, whatever the IR inter, I think it's interventional radiologist yeah. Put he did she did a scan um, and found that switch, which is really interesting because my dad's an orthopedic and he specializes in sports medicine and he's like you he's caught so many more blood clots in cyclists because of you because he it's now on his radar mm-hmm. to be like okay if mm-hmm. I have a cyclist and it's really it's more common in women and it usually comes about or it becomes a problem that has leg pain or um, a clot in their twenties so I was twenty two years old female all of the right so he's actually he's caught or he's it's just been on his radar so he's been like hey i would recommend like getting a scan for a blood clot and especially cyclists because you're bent over oh. so you're in the position to kind of block that blood flow even more so it's really it's kind of crazy to think about like even how much of an implication it's had outside of just me in the medical field whatever well, too. and you had a blood clot on your mind because he had one yeah. And then because of your experience, now he's been catching more of them. Yeah. And it so it was not, it was kind of one of those things that was like, thank God you had the calf pain. Like, right. they, like the, you had that one thing oh, yeah. that sent you because then they found all this other stuff. Yeah. It was, I was, I'm very thankful that my leg turned like purple. Um, yeah. Because I was, it was April and I graduated from college in May. So I was one month from graduating, and I remember being on a phone call. My mom will never forgive herself for saying this, but I like to make fun of her for it. And also, I would have—I'm really dramatic. Um, if anyone knows me, they know that that's very true. But I'm really dramatic in things that don't matter, and so I like was kind of just like not saying much about this. And finally, I called my mom. I was like, "Mom, I'm in so much pain. My leg is blue." She was like, "Claire, do something about it. I'm tired of you complaining. If you want to just come home and take care of it, we can, or you can just get through graduating." And likely if I had waited until I graduated, it probably 
I don't know. I may not be here. Yeah. Because I, I had pee in every lobe of my lungs. So it had started going into my lungs, which was so pulmonary and black. Yeah. So it was um not, I didn't have that much time. I don't think I would have been able to like get through graduating college. Oh my god! Which is just crazy. Like if I hadn't, like if I had been like three weeks from, I was literally like a month away from graduating. It was like, oh, but if I go home, I got to take, I will help be able to study for finals. I'm going to miss all of this class. So, yeah, if it had I've been got, like a couple weeks away, you'd been like, oh, I'll just wait it out. Yeah. Whoa. Crazy. And you're, I mean, even now people are like, oh, were you scared? And it was like, no, I'm 22 years old. I don't know what a blood clot is. But every time you tell someone who's like in the medical field mm-hmm. or older, they're like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, well, it was a blood clot. Very so life threatening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, for you, when you're 22, you're in college and you just ran the bridge run. You're like, I'm invincible. Like, I'm fine. Yeah. My leg is purple though. And that's annoying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was like, I was like limping around. It's like, I'm tired of limping. Did you get to graduate in May? Mm-hmm. And then after that, you moved here. Yeah. And then what changed? What changes did you make in terms of like overall 100%? What did you start doing differently? Um, I started, so I hired, a, that was the first time I like hired a um, nutrition coach um, who kind of helped kind of guide me and give me a lot, like pre- proper um, nutrition. Cause like people, especially in the CrossFit space say all the time, Oh, well, if I know this one person that ate more and, and got desired body comp results, but when you're not educated on the subject, that's a really hard concept to grasp. So it was like, mm-hmm. okay, I know I need to eat more, but when I do eat more, I feel worse. So like what's going on in reality before I was educated in this, I would eat more like carbs and fats. Like I, it was more, I also, I needed to eat more, but also restructure the composition of my foods. Most women aren't eating enough protein. That was for sure the mistake I was making up leading up to that. So I hired a coach and, um, that was the biggest change that I made. I committed myself to it. Um, and the biggest thing, like from a mindset perspective was I just completely, basically I said, I don't remember what I said to myself, like the quality people. So if their goal was to like spend all weekends getting like plastered. I would rather find a group of friends that, like we had movie nights or something like that. So that was kind of the biggest thing. Um, and then I, just because like the college experience that I had, I was like, I'm doing like a full year of just like not really drinking and just seeing what kind of changes it would make. Um, and that was, those were like three big changes, which tackles like your community and like your connection to people. So that, that I addressed, I addressed my nutrition. Um, and then when I like stopped, like just going out all the time, I was sleep, like sleeping better feeling better. Um, and yeah, huge changes, huge, like your whole life. Yeah. And I feel like that's a very common college narrative of Mm -hmm. you go out all the time. You don't prioritize sleep. You have no idea what you're eating. No. Or like if you're eating, even eating, I mean, nowadays, like I remember sitting at dinner and girls would come in from their run and they would get a bowl of lettuce and they'd be like, well, spring break is next week. Right. And it's only gotten worse. It's gotten so much terrifying. Yeah. So I like that you mentioned like a big part of it was changing your community and the people and the environment yeah. that you're surrounding yourself with because that, I mean, you do become the average of the five pe- right. people that you're around. That Which is-, is people can crap on CrossFit all the time, but that's something that will never, like, even if I hated the workouts that I was doing um, or I hated the programming of the gym I was at, it wouldn't necessarily matter because the like, yep. com- like I'll never go to a normal like O2 Fitness type gym ever again or global gym just because that 
community is just as important as my fitness. It's like suffering together. Like you right. can have the, we did a workout and it was like a mile and a half run, 150 burpees and a mile and a half run. And you look at it at 8 PM on Friday night and you're like, Oh my God, no. But then yeah. you're like, Oh, well you're going and you're going and you're going and it's all of a sudden fun. And then you're around yeah. these people that you just did this really tough workout. You're going to go fuel yourself. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in CrossFit gyms still do have an unhealthy relationship with food, but like Definitely. more so more better than, you know, your college sorority probably. Yeah. Um, it may not be the right proportions of things, but likely yeah. because of the activity that they're going through, it's a lot harder to get away because they're famished and they, they're like, it could still be under eating, but it's not like they have to eat more than like lettuce. Yeah. Or you or you can't do those workouts. Correct. And people would rather be able to do those workouts. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then it's just like, it's just the people around you seem like they enjoy life a little bit differently. Definitely. Even and now I've definitely found a more maintenance style approach, yeah. to, especially when it comes to like alcohol, because like that's a huge love language in my family. Is like my full my fridge, the bottom of my fridge is all alcohol right now because my sister works at a bar, so she yeah. was like giving me all the stuff that they sell and. My stepdad always gets me, um, like, a nice um, bottle of bourbon. It's a love language. That's great. Yeah. And so I had to, like, kind of come to a point where, like, I was on one extreme. I dropped to a really other extreme, so mm-hmm. then it was, like, leveling out. But even then, like, you go grab drinks with with your friends on Friday. People usually will, like, prioritize going to, like, the workshop. So people mm-hmm. who maybe want to just, like, drink can, but also if you want to just maybe have, like, a nice beer or a glass of wine and food – you also can. And then they understand, like, usually Saturday workouts are, like, yep. the thing. So mm-hmm. people just – there's that kind of unspoken agreement of, like, okay, you want to go to the gym on Sat- or on Saturday morning, so we'll just, like, take Friday kind of calm. There's no, like, oh, you suck because you're not drinking with us. Yeah. And then everyone's, like, why do you be in bed by, like, 9.30 yeah. to wake up for this? Oh, yeah. Lots I'm, of grandmas around. Oh, I love it, though. <laughs> and like you said earlier, like, about enabling you to work from home, like, mm-hmm. being around people that – prioritize that Saturday morning workout like enables you to be in bed at 8 30 and right the way people are like heck yes good for you go to bed at 8 it's mm-hmm. it's lovely it's so yeah. nice so you started CrossFit and you started making all these changes and you mentioned it do you feel like you had to go almost from zero to 100 in terms of like the alcohol the friends change to be able to then find a more sustainable level I think so yeah just with me personally um was just like not, I was not at rock bottom, but like sometimes when you need to make such a change, like you have to get over that, like some, I'm a chemist. So like when you have a reaction, like there's a degree of energy that you have to get through, like your activation energy Mm -hmm. to get to results. And that degree of like effort needs to change. But it, and and yeah, like some people are like all in or all out. Um, Mm -hmm. some people are like, yeah, I can just make I can just eat vegetables at every meal and that could start the snowball effect to seeing results. Some people need like that huge lifestyle change. And I think it definitely depends where you're starting. I think if you're in such a place of misery, you should probably go a little bit harder to start just almost even from like people thrive off of motivation and we know that motivation doesn't last, but if you get that like huge, bump in results because you kind of go harder to start and then you taper off I do find that it can help kind of last that motivation so it was just like 
at a point of just like complete misery. It was all or nothing at that point. So I was like, you know what, if I'm going to pay for a coach, if I'm going to do all this stuff, I'm going to do it. And then if it works, I know it works and I can then pack back off. So I mean, same thing. Like I think it's cool with like cash based PT. So I saw Nate for my shoulder and it was like, you're paying this much money. I'm not going to sit there and just like do like one of the exercises that he gave me. It was like, I'm in pain. I have what's going to fix it. I'm paying for it. So let's just do it. It's like the post that you reposted yesterday. It's like you have all the things in front of you that you can do to be successful and you have something that's like a little bit of pressure. Mm -hmm. Why would you not do it? Like you're going to, you're going to do it. And I think that's why people oftentimes are like, why do I need a coach? Why do I need a nutrition coach? Why do I need a physical therapist? Why do I need to meet with you monthly? Are you going to do these things unless you have someone holding you accountable with financially accountable and then just... If someone tells you what to do and writes it down, I'm way more likely to do it. It doesn't matter what it is. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's beneficial is, Mm -hmm. yes, if you were willing and you could do these things on your own, great. But are you going to do them on your own? And that is a huge reason why coaches are, I I think, necessary. I think everybody has one. Everyone should have one at this point. Yeah. It's so funny because, like, people just sometimes aren't willing to like cross that into that barrier but I know for me personally like think of your primary care doctor I bet every single time or even like with my OB or something I'm like I just wish I could see them once a month to have that kind of like know that I'm okay and like whatever I'm doing is good or I'm not gonna like die or whatever what like 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 that (laughs) so you have that I'm always like I wish I could see my doctor more than once a year then you have a chance to see a professional more than once a year and you're like no, I don't need that. It's like, mm, you might want to. And if you think about if it was so easy to do, then you wouldn't, you would already be doing it. You mm-hmm. wouldn't be seeking out how to do it. Cause like, the how or the what's not the problem. Everyone knows you need to yep. move your body. You need to sleep. You need to drink water. You need to eat whole foods. And protein. Like everyone knows that it's the how that if it, if it was that easy, I wouldn't have a job. Oh, me neither. I mean, most like, of our, our country would be in a much better place. Right. So if we know how to do that, like, why aren't we doing it? Exactly. That's what you need. Yeah. Someone holding you coach. accountable to like, find like, okay, your lifestyle is really busy right now. This is how you're going to make these changes you need to change. Like quit trying to force a lunch in a perfect breakfast because you're running out the door at six in the morning to work a nine hour work day. Let's have stuff prepped so you can get through the day mm-hmm. and then we'll get to the gym after and then we'll tackle a really good dinner. And that's where you find those habits that are going to be easy to make. So you can get that huge change, but it's still, you need someone telling you like, what's the best way to go about it. It's like having the how of, you know, you need to do these things, but there's a reason you haven't been doing them because of your schedule. So it's not likely that you're just going to be able to make these changes overnight You've lived this way for a while because it's been the most efficient way for you. Yeah. So to have breakfast in the morning, you're going to have to figure out like, what are all the little things you need to do to be able to make that happen. And right. people often think like, okay, yes, I'm going to just hit all my macros this week. And I'm like, whoa, we're going from zero to a hundred. Mm-hmm. Did you even go to the grocery store? Like, yeah. Do you, are you cooking your food? Are you going to work all day? Like, Also, are you going to hit your macros just... Because you now say you're going to hit them, or are you going to put in a plan to do so? Because a lot of times, like, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to get through the end of the day and then plug all my food in, and it's going to magically be perfect. And I'm like, 
I'm really good at what I do. And at this point, I can eyeball almost any yeah. meal and tell you I could get within a pretty good ballpark. But even then, like, I'm not good at planning all of it out. I still do need to sometimes, like, plan these things. It's not, it's not as intuitive as we like to think it is. When I started tracking, I would sit there the night before and plug in everything I was planning on eating because I was like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was such a process for me. And I think I probably made it a little harder than it needed to be because <laughs> I was like, it has to be perfect. Right. Yeah. And it took forever. And like yeah. now I'm at the point where I'm like, I know the structure of my meals, but mm-hmm. it's still like, if you get to the end of the day and you're like, well, I don't know of any foods that have this, this, and this, and it's 9 p.m. and I want yeah. to sleep. Oh, I'm a thousand calories short. Oof. And like, not to say that you need to like that your first goal should always be like to hit all your macros but I think that's what people think it is Mm -hmm. is like okay well I have not been even eating enough protein I don't sleep well I I don't move regularly I'm very stressed all right I'm gonna hit all my macros yeah wow what a big step yeah and that's where like yes I even when I was like yeah I made all these changes I didn't go zero Mm -hmm. to 100 it was like yeah I'm gonna change all these things and I'm definitely gonna go all in but I didn't start with macro tracking. I started with, I'm going to have five meals a day, which for my schedule is kind of what I needed just because I was, I don't even know how I did grad school. Like I just think of like the schedule I had and I was like, what was I doing? How did um, I get through that? But it was easy just to be like, hey, you're going to have breakfast when you get home from the gym. You're going to do this at lunch. You then have a like th- lull at three o'clock. So you're going to eat something then, but you're going to have protein at all those meals. Mm-hmm. Protein and veggies, non-negotiable. So I was eating like one egg breakfast before that I was eating (laughs) like I don't like cereal so I don't know why I almost said cereal but I was eating like pancakes or like a frozen waffle or something so just doing protein and veggies at my breakfast putting in that afternoon meal was like the perfect thing to start with and then just like honing in on dinner a little bit but I didn't start with like okay you're gonna get 150 grams protein, 200 grams of fat, 200 grams of carbs, 60 grams of fat. <laughs> I think that sounds nice. I mean, I'm not a huge, like, fat eater, yeah. so I'm like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, be very full. Yeah. Exactly. You have to make, either way, like, if you're going to change your whole life, it doesn't happen overnight. Correct. But I do like what you said about riding that wave of mm-hmm. when someone is extremely motivated, when they have maybe hit rock bottom and they need that full boost, like almost go hard and see how far it gets you knowing that you can always come back to like small yeah sustainable steps right and that's where like um I get a lot of people and it's March so I get a lot of people obviously the first of the year and I had some people who signed up with me prior to the first of the year but then they hit the first of the year and they're like I'm super motivated I know I shouldn't just rely on this and I was like well why not Obviously, we know that this isn't going to last, but, like, we are motivated. So, like, let's hit the ground running. Let's understand that why why we're doing this is to build habits, build routines. We're not going to – going hard doesn't mean eat a 1,000 calories. That's not going hard. Yes. That's unhealthy. Great point. Going hard means I'm going to meal prep every day. I'm going to prioritize veggies at every single meal. Like, I'm going to do all those things. Um, I just obviously got my L2. And so the – like theory of CrossFit or as a CrossFit coach is virtuosity. So doing the common uncommonly Mm -hmm. well. So when you're motivated, do those things that you need to do every day, just do them a little bit better so that when you're not motivated, it's just like, okay, well I'm not motivated. So maybe instead of making a hearty salad every single meal, I'm just going now to get buy bagged salads at Harris Teeter and use that in my lunches. So it's still the same thing. You're not gung-ho about it but it's still the same 
Like all those habits thing. and the structures in place. Right. And I feel like New Year's resolutions, like they get a bad rap, but I don't, I don't really agree because I, I, I agree with what you said about like, if you feel super motivated, like use that. I yeah. do. I mean, obviously I don't think you should lose 30 pounds in 30 days or like these Realistic extremely, goals are important. <laughs> yes. Like the real, the motivation that comes with it's January 1st. I want to start off fresh. It's like you're done with the holidays. You're like, I drank a lot and I slept a lot and I like hibernated and now I'm ready to like bloom. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. Yeah. You're going to have seasons of yay and nay. You're going to have like phases that you go through and I think it I think sometimes like especially on social media influencers and like even people in my position can sometimes go to the other side where they're like yeah don't don't set new year's resolutions I mean two years ago I think I did set make a post of like new year's resolutions are crap and now I'm like realistic about it I'm like some people need reservate Mm -hmm. like resolutions my goal started with something probably unrealistic, but it did set me on the right path. So I think as a coach, sometimes it's important to recognize where, what are their goals? How do they thrive off of goals? Are they like motivation dominant or discipline dominant? And how can I like make it seem like they're doing what they want, but really they're doing what I, what I want. So, I mean, I, I have, I have one client in particular who was, who literally said, because they see all the time on social media that they shouldn't be motivated. They shouldn't have any motivation. And it's like, why? I think they are interpreting it wrong of like motivation is not important because it's not the only thing and it doesn't yield results, Mm -hmm. but you're still going to have it. So how can we use it in our advantage? And I, I'm sure you follow Jordan Syed. Yeah. He's fantastic. He's like, why don't you set resolutions? If a resolution is going to get you to lose the pounds that you need to lose to save your life and be healthy. And that's what's going to get you making those conscious decisions that are going to show up in six years. Why not do it? Everyone has to start somewhere. And some for the, some of those people are going to start January 1st every single year. The idea is like how to make it realistic so that yeah. it lasts. And that it's not even worse for you. And I think a lot of people are very much in the mindset of, okay, I'm going to restrict. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do January Whole 30th. Oh my God. I'm going to stop eating bread. Yeah. I'm going to, I mean, I took January off of drinking and it's something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But then during it, I was like, wait, I like to have a glass of wine because it helps me de-stress. And now that I'm not doing that, I'm even more stressed. Mm-hmm. So even for me, like restricting something that it wasn't my caloric intake. I wasn't making myself work out for two hours every single day. It was like, Alcohol, something you think should be, yeah, take it out. Right. And it didn't go well for me. Mm-hmm. I did last the whole 30 days. And only. it's good to know, like, yeah, if I had to, I could. Yeah. But then you realize, like, this isn't sustainable. I, get, I was like, wait, I love a glass of wine. Same. And that's, it took me longer than a month to realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the same thing. It was like, I want to go home with my family and go out to eat and have a glass of wine or have a girl's night. Like, I love a good glass of wine or yeah. a good beer or a good mm-hmm. bourbon. I don't discriminate. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, yeah. I like vodka, but... <laughs> it's like the pendulum. Like, how do yes. we get the pendulum to land more in the middle? And, I yeah. mean, as people, we love to swing. Right. As a, as a society, as a world. You said, you mentioned something, discipline dominant, motivation dominant. Yeah. Can you explain what that means? Yeah. So, I just made it up on the spot. Oh, um, my God. I was like, is this a thing? <laughs> I just made I it up. I mean, it. it's true. I mean, there's people... I'm, have you heard of, like, abstainers versus moderators? Mm. So, in the co- context of cravings, really almost you pretty much just, like, got into this, is there's people who thrive off of abstaining from something. 
and they thrive on not having food in the house. Like, it's the classic clean out your pantry, Mm -hmm. don't have a thing in there. It's not that you're weak-minded or anything like that. It's just, like, maybe you're just not someone who moderates food well. So, for you, so alcohol. Say you're a really good abstainer. So, just save all your alcohol for when you go out to, like, dinner. So, say, like, you're going out with friends or whatnot for a drink. You can grab a drink then, but you just never have it in the house. There's people who thrive off of that mentality. Um, And then the moderation side of it is if you're, like, kind of moderated moderate dominant or whatever (laughs) whatever word I decide to make up today um you you're okay having ice cream in the house and just snacking on it every now and then and I think sometimes we think like people who are more just natural at abstaining and just better at abstaining and they don't restrict it because they still do get it Mm -hmm. when they go out they find that balance sometimes I think we interpret or those people interpret it like oh no I should be able to have ice cream constantly around and have the discipline naturally to do it. And I think that there's probably a balance, but like there's very do two different types of people. And so I'm very much, an, I just usually am an abstainer. Like if I have ice cream, I'm just gonna be like, yeah, I'll eat it. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at like moderating. I can moderate like, um, like salty stuff. Like I don't really care about salty food like that. I can have chips around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more sweets. Like I'm just like, oh, I sweets. just want to have them all. Yep. So kind of the same feeling of like motivation and discipline. So naturally motivation lasts like two to three weeks or maybe a month or so. And that's where you're like absolutely feeling it. You're motivated to do everything and go above and beyond. And that does not last 24 seven. It never will. Um, but in what takes over is discipline. So discipline, daily thing, daily habits that you're doing every single day, going to the gym, prioritizing meals, meal prep and so that's like the basis obviously like motivation versus discipline but there's some people that just thrive off of motivation so and then there's some people that just don't care when they're motivated because it's not going to change their day-to-day life so the first kind of category are like our motivation dominant people those are people that no matter what you do tell them to not focus Mm -hmm. on motivation they're still going to be like i'm feeling motivated like what do i do and it's like okay well your motivation, you like motivation, you're going to go really, really hard. So let's go hard. Let's enable what you're kind of already wanting to do in a healthy fashion. It's not, again, we don't just motivate people by restricting them. It's like, all right, you're feeling really, really good. Let's go to the gym six times this week, as opposed to your usual four times or, okay, you're feeling really good. You're motivated. Let's just hit a walk every single day. Um, And so when we are motivated, and you're kind of one that thrives off the motivation and you just always feel like you want to be like grinding away. Type A people are usually mm-hmm. very motivation dominant because it's like you always have to be doing something. Yeah. Um, and so, again, you can tailor it back a little bit. But like if those people like putting in goals and they're goal driven, like it's always my clients that are like, OK, so I know I still have six months with you, but like what are we going to do every single day? Oh very much <laughs> those type of people. I'll try to get them like to relax Real a little it, bit. Yeah. But they're motivated. So we're going to set goals. We're going to be goal driven. We're going to embrace their type A personality. On the flip side of it, if they're discipline driven, I'm not going to force them to set these crazy goals. If they're like, yeah, I just want to like show up every single day. So I have a woman who just signed up with me and she really just wants to be like healthier. And so she, she doesn't really like going to the gym. She kind of just, she wants to be healthy. She's kind of in a lull kind of right now. So she's not really motivation driven so she's like I just want to be doing things every day that makes me feel better so with her I don't need to force her to do or force her to do things every single day 
she doesn't really want to do that. So it's like, okay, so let's just, what are the daily habits that we need to do that are just going to make us chipping away at our goals every single day? And we'll check in with each other on these like goals every like month or so, but I don't need to be like, okay, you're motivated. Let's go like hit it hard. Mm -hmm. Um, we can kind of back off a bit and just do those habits that the motivation people are already doing just when they feel like they want to do a little bit more. We're like, okay, let's, let's do it. So it's like, we're like always trying to like be consistent, get 1% better, but the motivation driven people, when they have a goal, they perceive it as a challenge that mm-hmm. they can tackle and yeah. they, that motivates them. Whereas there are a lot of people that, and it's all the way you perceive things, people who perceive going to the gym six days a week as something daunting, a challenge that they cannot do, something that's going to make them feel bad, then it's like, well, what's the point of even having that goal? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all in the way. And someone else is like, oh yeah, this will be hard, but I'm going to be able yeah. to do it. I'm going to feel great. Yeah. It's just, and that's different personalities. That's just like different ways that people perceive the world. People like to hit PRs. People like to lift heavy. Some people don't. Some people just want to like lift weights consistently, but never feel like they're truly maxing out. And so I think like as a coach or as a PT or as a human being, we we try to figure out what dose can we get Mm -hmm. the desired result, but also something that you're going to enjoy along the way. Because like my favorite phrase is the science is in the compliance. So it's whatever someone can comply to yes. is going to trump whatever. Like we do know that working out 45 minutes a day, doing resistance training is going to work. But if you can't like completely do that, then three days is better than nothing. And that's where like that compliance factor does come into play. Oh, you can write the best program for someone in the world. But if it's not sustainable, if they don't comply to it, then what did it do for them? Correct. Yeah. If they can only do it one day a week, just when they're motivated, it's not important. And because again, motivation does not last. If someone's motivated, we can push them to maybe like go a little bit harder. But again, it doesn't change really. Those nuts and bolts in that foundation Mm -hmm. is already there. So you came to Charleston, you went to MUSC. At what point did you decide... I don't want to work with mice anymore. I want to start my own nutrition business. So I always knew I was going to be never in research for the rest of my life. I was using MUSC as kind of my bridge to going to medical school. Um, And my um, dad's a doctor, my stepdad's a doctor. So it's just like, sure, let's just go to med school. It's what I always want to do. Like I always wanted to help people. Yeah. And then when I was in at MUSC and I was coaching CrossFit and I was working on breastfeeding and mainly having those conversations with women on their journey and how the local person made more, not more, but just as important of an effect made me just kind of think of, I want a happier. And at this point I was, I was having such, I made those, Oh, this is what it was. I've completely forgot. So when I made those changes, um, I attributed all of my changes to like my well being, to contributing to, okay, I, you know, abstained from alcohol, I made nutrition changes, I had a fitness routine, and I saw, like, my anxiety went down, my stress went down, my overall quality of life was a lot better. But as soon as I started applying, reapplying to med schools, I, all of those, like, stressed and thoughtful tendencies um, and, like, emotional um, responses, I guess you could say, started to, like, creep back in. And it was just, like, having that conversation of, if I continue this medical school path, I don't have much of a relief from that competitive cutthroat environment. I have to take boards and I have to do residencies and 
I, my life is not controlled by me anymore. And I was coaching CrossFit and it was like, I could be in lab for nine hours of a day. I could have a really good study, um, and good results that like proved what I was hypothesizing. But the second that I walked out the door and went to the five o'clock class to to coach and interacting with those people, I was just way more fulfilled. And I remember there was a, um, class that I was coaching, um, and it was like three women at the 7am class and it was supposed to be like a skill day. Like it was like 15 minutes of skill work. And so we were like kind of warming up or stretching. And then it just got into like, Oh, I think it was one of the first like all female classes I had done and that they had been a part of. So they started talking and they're like, is it normal for insert something here? Oh, they just started asking, started questions. asking questions. And it was like, is it, do, when you guys go upside down and handstand push up, do you like, <laughs> have this certain reaction or like when you do a GHD, do you feel that tightening in your core? And everyone was like, Oh yeah. And that was like the first time like normalizing that and being Mm -hmm. a resource for them. I was like, I can probably achieve this with a medical degree, but it's going to be eight years down the road. Um, and that's where I was like, and I had another um, woman at the gym asking me about nutrition and how to factor in nutrition. Cause she's a mom. She has a four year old kid Um, she's married to a picky eater. How does she make it work? And the couple of like suggestions, I like knew kind of how to help her just from my personal experience. And it was like, I can't help her until I know what it is I'm doing. So that's where I just kind of gravitating towards the nutrition specific path and had that kind of light that medical school initially gave me, but it was like getting kind of burnt out on that. And I hadn't even gone to medical school yet. Yeah. And then you have eight more years of it at least. And it's, it's not serving you. Like it's leading you down a path that you don't want to go on. Right. It's, it's, and I am very sciencey and I love science and I love results. I can't tell. (laughs) I love science, (laughs) but there's a lot that isn't explained by science. And I, I definitely think that like right now the medical community is very, uh, because that's what the people ask for is very pill fixed. And we're going to treat the systems, not the underlying causes Um, and it was like, I don't know if I want to be furthering that. Like, I think it would be cool to like go to medical school if it was free and be able to like combine more natural lifestyle approaches, like wellness and like medicine. Like that would be really cool. But at that point, like that's years and years and years away. Yeah. Like it would be really cool to be the, one of the people that did it differently. Right. But then you're like, do I need to do all that to mm-hmm. do it differently? Or can I just start now? Yeah. When obviously Rhapsody wasn't open at the time, but I think that's something like I know Rhapsody and like Ironbridge specifically like do for the Charleston communities. Like they want to have that like team of like health and it's, it covers mindset. It covers movement. It covers nutrition. It covers like jobs and even like professional development and that whole category does drive health and wellness. And I think it's it's fun to be in an environment like that where they do tackle all sorts of avenues. And, like, to me, that's, like, what health and wellness, like, really is. is it's not just – and, I mean, I truly wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for modern medicine. No matter how many grams of protein or how much turmeric I ate, <laughs> I was going – I could have died from that blood clot. And I will forever need modern medicine for that. But also – what are the things like I got prescribed antibiotics so much as a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. and like how does food play a role? Like a lot of my health issues probably could have been fixed if I had known how to eat as a kid. 
just the things that you're putting in your body all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like all we deal with all the, the pillars of health and yeah, like luckily, fortunately we have modern medicine, but do we need that for the woman that comes up to you in the gym and wants to make her eating habits a little bit better? Mm -hmm. Like, do you need to go to eight years of schooling that is going to put you in debt probably and incredibly stress you out, maybe derail your progress and I have friends that are doctors, obviously I have friends that are in medical school, but I see, even in PT school, like some of the unhealthiest people are the students that are trying to help other people with their health. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's like... The practice what you preach is hugely important and you lose just respect. Like I know every PT that I've ever worked with completely lives their lifestyle. PTs you've worked with because you're surrounded by us. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's very frustrating when you have a friend who is in medical school who you're like, you're going to be possibly sending me patients or like treating our community and they never exercise and they Mm -hmm. have no idea what they're eating and really don't care and they're stressed all the time. They don't sleep. It just doesn't fit. Like it does not make sense. I think you posted like two or three weeks ago, like reshared every, if you're a healthcare professional... You should be going to the gym. You should be. You should have a fitness. fitness. Yeah, I was like, if this offends you, it probably should. Yeah, I think I reshared it. Yeah, heck yes. There's (laughs) been some really good posts recently. Yes. So, um, 100. percent And I think it's just like, it's super important. I had my one of my very first clients. She was seeing an endocrinologist. She had cortisol levels that were just completely unregulated. In my limited experience, I'm not saying that I'm equivalent of a doctor. Um, I wish that I could have worked with her endocrinologist so that we could have had a collaborative whole effort effect. But her endocrinologist was like, you have, you're overweight. You have um, extremely unregulated cortisol levels. He tested her for Cushing's disease. She was negative for that. He was like, the only solution is you need to lose weight. And we're going to do that with a weight loss pill that was a derivative of amphetamine. And so she came to me and we'd been working for like a month. Meanwhile, let's go over her lifestyle factors. She worked a really stressful job with a really terrible work environment to the point of like they spread some horrible, they would spread rumors that she was pregnant um, because she she gained weight because she had, she was recovering from cancer and chemo. Mm. So like, let's really, that alone, navigating stress is huge. She was eating 900 calories a day. She's a caterer. So on her catering events, she just wouldn't eat. So she wouldn't eat the food that was around. So like those three things. Oh, and she had horrible stress levels. She her she would do kickboxing just so she could like beat things up. Ooh. And it was like, okay, that's four things that like I basically told her. I was like, I'm not gonna overwrite and override your um, endocrinologist. They have way more degree education, etc. That I have. This is what I know. I don't I don't feel right, comfortable putting you on a weight loss pill because. That's more of a These things, right. These, it's going to suppress your appetite. It's going to do, drink a ton of caffeine instead um, and just jack your heart rate up. But you're going to be, all those things, once you come off that weight loss pill, are still going to be there. Your cortisol is completely irregular because you aren't fueling yourself. Your body has no idea how, your nervous system doesn't know how to fight or flight or rest and digest. It has no sense of how to do any of that. And you have a inconsistent work routine, you're not feeding your body, and you have miserable amounts of stress. 
there, I was like, there's four areas that I would love to tackle with you first, if you feel comfortable with. If in six months we don't see results, I'm more than happy to talk about a weight loss pill. And fast forward six months, she's eating 1,900 calories a day. She lost 30 pounds. She has an amazing um, group of friends. She started CrossFit and she has an outlet for stress and she's able to tackle her work environment a lot better. And then fast forward, she's been with me since 2018. So fast forward, she's, she was started at 210, got down to 150. So she lost 60 pounds. She finally, six months ago, post COVID or mid COVID went to her endocrinologist and her whole, all of her cortisol levels had completely normalized Amazing how that happened. because she tackled lifestyle. And that's the thing is like, we're quick to like prescribe something when we don't look at the whole picture as a whole. Like again, I needed surgery and I needed a blood thinner 100%, but there are also other areas that also could have been looked at that never were. And so like, that was a kind of the classic example of being like, this is health and wellness is more than just like being prescribed a pill. And she's thankful every single day. She's like, I'm so happy I didn't take that pill because it basically would have just put a temporary solution or temporary fix to a very lifestyle driven. Well, she would have felt even more miserable right? and probably would not have kept taking it. No, it wouldn't have addressed anything in her life that would be beneficial for her. Yeah. Congrats. Now you have a full bone eating disorder because if you're suppressing your appetite at 900 calories, you're now eating maybe 500 calories and that's completely dangerous and moral in my opinion to ever and unethical as a medical or health professional to encourage. But also, I mean, the doctor didn't know that he doesn't know what her average intake is. He doesn't know about her life. Yeah. I mean, like doctors don't have a nutrition certification or degree. Like I wouldn't treat patients. Usually to talk to her and to get to know this person. Yeah. I mean, it took seven days. We did two or three days of an intake, seven days of a food log. Then we waited two to three weeks to figure out, okay, what changed from her like ideal food log that she gave me? Mm. What goes on? What's stresses in her life? So we figured out catering was a huge stress that really drove her under eating. So like, okay, let's tackle. That took a a month alone of talking every single she was a member at the gym so we were talking almost every single day and that's what it requires it's like Mm -hmm. being in someone's corner and being on their team and it's mind-blowing to me that those stories still happen but they're rampant like that's why we're doing things differently yeah it's just like how do you not look at this person knowing what you know and think instead of like oh my god you are doing so poorly think of it as, wow, you have a lot of opportunities for improvement. Even if we just improve one, Mm -hmm. imagine the improvement that you'll make instead of being like, oh man, you have so many bad things going on in your life. Here's one thing that won't really fix anything, but it'll help you lose weight. Yeah. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. Do you ever get, I think it's probably a little bit different because people come to you, they already know that it's going to be like nutrition based, but do you Mm -hmm. ever get pushed back when someone doesn't understand the connection between what they're fueling themselves with and stress and cortisol. Oh, almost nine times out of 10. I mean, people will follow me for a year before hiring me. And then they're still shocked at some of the things that I say, like literally before coming here, I was answering an email with a client who, um, just has a lot of life stress. COVID lives in a a city that is completely shut down right now and super stressed 
gained a significant amount of weight in all of COVID and stuff like that. Still wants to lose weight for a wedding. And then she's answering her emails with, I hate myself. I look in the mirror and I think I'm ugly. All I do is I look back to when we first started and think, why couldn't I have been happy then? She has that very, like, I'll be happy when Mm -hmm. mentality. And so, like, even then, we've been working together for close to six months, and we're still having those conversations. And I still had to sit down and be like, one, I have non-negotiables as a coach. Like, you're not allowed. I'm not allowed to ever hear you say words like, I hate myself. I suck. I'm unworthy. Just because the more that you say them, your brain's going to start making those connections and those networks to responding to, okay, you see a picture of yourself in the mirror, I look disgusting now. I mean, she doesn't look that different when we first started, but her current reality of that, like, dysmorphia is is present. When she looks in past, she's like, oh, why couldn't I have been happy then? And it's like, that irrational line of thinking just makes you so set up to not handling stress better. So you already think that you're ugly, you already hate yourself, so when you're having a bad day... How, why else aren't you going to gravitate towards a bag of Cheetos or a box of wine? I don't know why I just said a box, a box of wine. box of wine. Ooh, Ooh we're going yeah. to Franzia. Franzia yeah. times. Um, but, like, why aren't you going to grab that bottle of wine? Because you're already in that irrational line of thinking. You can't think rationally when you're thinking irrationally. So your response is driven off of that, like, irrational thought process of, I hate myself, life sucks, I'm really stressed, blah, 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 I'm ugly, I'm fat. I suck. It's just over and over. It never stops. Yeah. It's, I equated it to a cocaine addict. <laughs> like oh, you're constantly like chasing yeah. that like virgin high, but every time that you like come down off of it, you're like below zero. And then to like get high and chase that virgin high, you do it again and you do it again until you're just completely so far gone that you start using drugs just to feel normal. At what point? I mean, at first it has to feel kind of forced, right? Yeah. To like, not only recognize those thoughts, but like replace them with a positive thought. Yeah. And I, I like have, because this has to do so much with pain too. Definitely. Pain and injuries and the way that we perceive all of that. And so a lot of people, they're like, I know this is going to hurt me. And I'm like, as soon as you think that you need to be aware of it and you need to replace it with something else. Yeah. How long do you feel like it does feel forced before it maybe takes effect? It definitely varies per person, Um, but I would say it takes a minimum of, like, two to three weeks. But I know, again, I just got my L2, and if you do, it takes 10, they were like, it takes 10,000 reps to Mm. form a perfect rep or perform a habit or basically to establish, like, muscle memory. So if you have a poor habit or pattern or movement pattern, it's going to take 10,000 to undo it and then a new 10,000 to redo it. So the same thing, if you, I mean, if I have people who are 50 years old coming to me, they're like, why is it so much harder to me than a 20-year-old? And it's like, the 20-year-old likely started dieting or thinking about dieting when they were 15 or 16, but you started thinking about it 15 or 16, and now you're 50, is you have so many more networks Mm -hmm. and pathways established in your brain, and it's, you have to just say it until it becomes your new reality. reality. But if you're kind of cut off towards accepting and remaining open-minded in that, then you're always going to be kind of stuck. So it definitely depends on the person. I do find if you can start getting some results, they'll be a little bit more open-minded to hearing what you have to say. But I mean, sometimes people aren't ready for weight loss. So that's where it takes, Mm -hmm. it could take like six months. 
for people start to recognize like the thoughts that you say to yourself like truly do matter and that's where like depending on where they're at I am obviously not a therapist and if it's like so far gone like I definitely will try to like encourage them to seek like Mm -hmm. therapy or something along those lines to where like working with both of us will hopefully tackle and increase those number of reps this underlying issue it's almost like chronic pain it's like 20 years of someone being in chronic pain and avoiding some sort of movement is going to be so much harder to undo because you have solidified these pathways for mm-hmm. 20 years. Yeah. And yeah. that's why right now it's it's like the girls that are surrounded by this with their friends and their social media and society. Do you feel like at some point those things around you like have to change for you to change? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean you're going to gravitate towards what's easiest. And if what's easiest is your network of friends that not only like don't support you, but they don't live that lifestyle. Like it's, it's sad to be like, Hey, you need to make better friends. But I mean, it's sometimes very true. And sometimes you can't, especially when it's like the case of like family or like Mm -hmm. coworkers and you can't get away from it. It's more just now handling your reaction to them. But yeah, I mean, it's like all of it's tied together And sure, you can 100% see change and see results in all aspects of life, even in your current environment. But it's just, it's like running a race um, with one leg. Mm. We've seen people do it, but it's obviously to do it, it's going to be easier and you're better trained with your two legs as opposed to just like taking one leg off the side and hopping around. People do it. It's like you can make your environment less terrible for your health. Or you can really optimize it because you actually hate these people and yeah. you actually hate your job. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I have been like, quote unquote, thick my entire life. And I never had friends who, all my friends were like, oh, you're great. You'll look great. But it wasn't until I was in Charleston, in CrossFit, that I heard for the first time, I wish I had your body. And I think that's like, it was being around like women who were like, I just want to lift as much as you. Or, like, I, I wish I had legs like yours. That, like, I was 23 years old before I heard positive things said about me. And I remember in, like, middle school, I remember being friends with, like, tiny, tiny people. And they would be like, oh, my legs are so fat. And I, they were barely, I think they were, like, a zero, double zero. And I was, like, a two then. And my oh. arms were as big as their legs. And I was like, mm-hmm. if you're an elephant. Then what am I? Right. And, and it doesn't matter what your parents say either. Like, I, I mean, you can have a girl who, like, her parents all the time are like, no, you're beautiful, your body is beautiful, and, like, that definitely helps, but a lot of it is peers. Yeah. my, I, I mean, I'm a classic example. My mom and my parents did an amazing job. I mean, obviously every family has issues, but my family did an amazing job. I mean, my mom definitely has some insecurities, and they've gotten more vocal, or she's gotten more vocal about it as I've gotten older. And obviously, this is my career. But she never let us hear any of that. And the first time that I heard parents actually say horrible things to their kids, I was, like, shocked. Because I was very fortunate. Mm-hmm. But I still, my peers drove every insecurity yep. that I had. And even no one said, you're overweight, or you're fat, or you're ugly, or anything like that. But it was how they spoke to themselves of, oh, I'm really fat. And it's just like... I mean, I don't, I didn't think that I was overweight until you just said that your like tiny, tiny little leg is also 
big. And I'm like, I'm really much bigger than you are. So, I mean, so what am I? Right. And that's where like having people around that are like, oh my gosh, you're so strong. Like it's yes. the classic, like people will come to the gym, new people will come to the gym and be like, but I don't want to be bulky. Oh, but they say it in a way of like, not, I don't want to be bulky. They say it like, I know that that's what you are, but I don't want to look like you. And it's just like, do you really have to word it like that? And that luckily that happens very rarely, but CrossFit again is that perfect environment where like strength and performance are also valued on top of aesthetics. I feel like a lot of the people that start CrossFit, like they might feel that way because they're afraid of it. Yeah, and I'm, definitely. That has a whole other like spiel to it. But then so yeah. many girls do change their like outlook on their bodies and other people's bodies because they care. They have something better to care about. Oh, and yeah. I feel so much better to PR a lift than lose pound. I'm surrounded by people who uplift me. This is yeah. a fun thing to do. I'm not restricting myself and throwing up and feeling like yeah. shit. Males and females. Like, it's mm-hmm. so cool to be at a gym where, like, a, you were talking about, like, Elliot getting so upset about oh my you missing a lift. It's the same thing. Like, having males and females both valuing you not just, like, taking up less space. Where does that come from? Like, I remember in high school and college, girls would comment on other people's Instagrams, like, you look so skinny today. And I'm like, oh, my God, why is that? You look so underfed today. Yeah. Oh, I love your bones. Your ribs look so good in this. I just... Yeah. I know culture and society has a lot to do with that, but, like, where did it come from that we feel like we need to be so small? We need to take up no space at all. The smaller yeah. you are, the better person you are. Yeah. Don't, I don't know. And I wish I could like go back and right. we started it. Just like punch them in the throat. Punch them all in the throat. <laughs> but that, that causes, I mean, it's so, it's such, it's rampant. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's like where just my friends in Charleston are just all like that. And it's just so refreshing to be around that, like, mentality with everything Mm -hmm. like even like obviously like I think it's one of the funniest things people be like oh but aren't isn't there like a lot of drama or like CrossFit with girls and stuff like that it's like yeah sure people can like get in arguments or whatever but like most gyms that I know of whenever like say you're watching someone at your gym do a lift or like we're going to be competing together and you see me like hit the 155 barbell and you're like oh nice like I wish I was doing that but like cool like, we were talking about, like, people who are going to do super well. And it's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, I wish I could be like that. But I'm not like, oh, I hate them. Yeah, it's, it's like, like oh, I wish I still could be like that. Yeah. yeah, and that's where that environment, I'm just like, yeah, I could hate. I don't do, I, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to do as many Metcons that I do. Because, like, I just like to lift. But it's still, like, I would never leave mm-hmm. that environment. Because it's just, it's so cool to be like, no, that you're strong. And I think that's really cool. Like, oh, wow, like, I want to look like you. Yeah. Like, you're so strong. You can do so many things with yeah. your body. But it's so much fun to outlift guys. And then oh, like, my oh, God. Wait, can I be like you? And I'm like, yeah, no. I am not there yet, <laughs> but I can imagine. I will watch you hit that bar, and I will celebrate. Unless I'm already on the row, and then I will be dying. Yeah, so will I. I yeah, not looking forward to that. No. You mentioned before, like, someone eating 900 calories a day, mm-hmm. which, again, mind-blowing. What is the process like of getting them to realize you don't need to eat 1,200 calories a day? Like, I know it's a huge issue. Yeah. But, like, where do you start? Definitely I start with 
just pure education of education and also like correlation. So educate them on the BMR is the biggest thing is like teaching people like this is what your body needs for basic survival. So imagine that, yeah, you're in a coma or you're recovering from, well, not recovering from surgery because that expends energy. But imagine (laughs) that there's a global pandemic and you truly do absolutely nothing and you sit on your couch all day. That is the bare minimum of calories that your body needs to survive. And the correlation comes from everything that they are feeling. So they likely feel like crap. They aren't sleeping through the night. They can't make it through a workout at the gym. Stress is really bad. And or depending on male or female using like hormonal health, like if they're having a period or usually if it's guy, like you don't have a sex drive. Usually with guys, under eating is not as prevalent or as rampant. So that's usually not as big of a concern. But with with that client specifically, it was like, here's all of your health, the aspects of your health that are terrible right now. And eating more calories will help. And usually it's like, we're going to get a little uncomfortable. Um, and that's why they hired you. Yeah. We're going to get uncomfortable. This is what you have to look forward to. Give me 30 days. If you don't feel better, we'll talk. And a lot of times, even if they do gain a little bit of weight, they're like, oh my gosh, I can sleep through the night. Or I can handle stressful situations. Or it's like, hey, remember how you said that you wish you could have a glass of wine? Well, what if you ate 2,000 calories? A glass of wine is 130 calories. What if you had a glass of wine and then you could still eat 1,870 calories of food? And I'm like, that's where I'm like, think of all these things. Eating more satisfies that. And on top of that, you're healthy. Like, where, what can you do now? Like, you want to lose weight? And that's where I'm like... I'll do education, correlation, whatever, and then I'll give them the alternative of, all right, Mm. science says to lose weight, you need to be in a calorie deficit. So what do you want to do? Do you want to eat less? You physically can't. You're miserable. Um, Do you literally want to eat nothing? Or do you want to be doing, you're already doing cardio five for six or seven days out of the week. Do you really want to do more? Do you have time in the day to do more? Um, What what's more important to you. And a lot of times I get people who hit 1500 calories and they're like, I'm done. And it's like, all right, we're going to hold steady for a little bit. Maybe that like, usually maybe like they're around their period. So they're like kind of a little bit more bloated mm-hmm. or they had like sushi for dinner. And so they're like retaining a little bit more sodium or water from the sodium. So I'll be like, okay, we'll hang out for a bit and then we'll try to up it a little bit more. If that doesn't work, it's like, and they're like super, super stubborn on it. I will, drop their calories they'll feel how miserable it is so i'll try to use like get them to do what it is with that that they want or i want see what's better and usually if i can get people who are we inherently motivated not just me telling them what to do usually i can get adherence to be a little bit higher when they say i'm done when they hit 1500 like why because this is the more baffling thing so on top of everything we've already talked about like not only have we been taught to take up less space, we've also been taught to never be full. So I have actually, in the past year, I've made huge correlations in the degree of how women interpret satiation. And so I get people who start eating 1,500 calories. They're finally full for the first times in their lives, and they interpret that as bloated, I'm overweight, gross, gross all of those things. And so a lot of it is like having to teach people it's okay to eat to a point of where you are actually nourished and satiated 
and you don't have cravings. And a lot of times people start interpreting I'm full as this is too much food. And usually like once you're eating more than your body's basic point of survival, you're actually starting to feel full every once in a while um, and things like that. And so that's where people are usually like, or they've been with me for three months. They're like, I'm just going to give you three months. I'm going to pay you X number of dollars. And then in three months they haven't lost 30 pounds. And so then they're just like, yeah, I'm 30 pounds. Right. And so it's like you were, so I, it's one of my um, coaches, Ashley hustle and working with her right now. And her goal initially was just to like maintain or establish healthy changes and a healthy lifestyle. So her goal wasn't even weight loss. She came eating like 1200 calories. So it was like, Hey, classic reverse diet told her a little bit why we're doing this. She's also a shift worker started at like 157 pounds. And then fast forward four or five weeks, she's already six pounds down. And we were up to, I think 15 or 1600 calories. And she's like, Hey, I've plateaued. I don't know what to do. I'm really like not feeling it. I don't feel like it's working, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just be the conversation or the story that we've been told our entire lives. She's full. She's satiated. She's not actively in a calorie deficit. She's not hungry all the time. Therefore, I plateaued. I am not seeing results. Mm-hmm. So that's where we have to be like, okay, hang on. Let's first define what a plateau is. It's when you're not losing weight. Let's look at what your goals were to start. Wasn't weight loss. And then let's look at the data. You're losing weight. You're sleeping better. You're navigating shift work so much easier. You don't have cravings. I don't know if I already said that, but it's a two pointer for sure. So what, where is the plateau? And she's like, Oh, I feel like my lifestyle has plateaued because I'm just doing things consistently. So I think sometimes we'll interpret consistency as like plateauing and it's just like, but you are seeing results and that wasn't even the result that we thought but you're eating more food. So a lot of it is just like tackling that story that you don't have. It's not eat less, do more. It's not always the case. In some cases, for sure, eat less, do more. You're going to see a weight loss, but it's not always the case. My lifestyle has plateaued. I've never heard that. Never heard that one of like, oh, I've been consistent for too long. It's time to change things up. It's time to spice it up. No, that's the thing. That's what we're trying to get you to do is be consistent forever. Yes. Even if you have one day that's good and quote unquote one day that's bad. That's, that's a new one for me. That's a new phrase. So then like kind of tying a lot of it together. So maybe that tells us that she's going to be a little bit more motivation driven. Mm. Discipline seems to be boring for her. So like when she's feeling motivated, we'll maybe get her to like do it a little bit more. So maybe it'll be like, Hey, let's go for an extra walk this week. So again, like kind of tying all that in together, that's where we'll try to make it a little bit more individualized to her so she can feel like she's doing the things and she's doing more, but real calorie terms and energy expenditure, she's likely not. And we don't have to worry about like, okay, now do six days of CrossFit this week when she's then going to be jacking up the stress response. Like you don't always need to be doing more, Yeah, but that's what so many people, that's what we've been told. So, and like most of the people that come to you what it sounds like is they are, you know, trying to lose weight, body recomp, but they're eating less than like a thousand calories. So oh, it's yeah. like, we can't not put you in a deficit right yeah. now. I mean, I refuse. Like there's not many black and white statements that I will ever make. And I was actually driving here and face, I'm sure you're thinking, you always think content, work, whatever. So I'm literally driving always. here. Yeah. Always. I'm like, oh, that would be a good post. In the that shower, good I'm like, post. write it down. I keep my phone by my shower so I can be like, 
Nice. Oh, I can't say it because she'll respond and be like, hey, your name here and <laughs> do this. And she would like write it all up for me. But um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So um, I don't make many black and white statements or like non-negotiables of like, I will not do this. But I refuse to put anyone below their BMR. There's no need for it. The only case that that's the case is bodybuilders. And I would even argue that they shouldn't. Um, but there, it's term. a, it's a perform and that is a sport. It's not lifestyle. So again, it's, it's literally, yeah, like you said, two weeks at most in most bodybuilder, um, situations. And then there's an immediate recovery diet, which is not a reverse diet. It's like you're eating 900 calories just for a show to desi- to get desired leanness. And then tomorrow you're eating 1500 calories. Mm-hmm. Like it's not slow and steady. Um, and that's, right again, it. it's a sport. It's like mm-hmm. PRing a lift. You're not always going to work at your PR weight. But, um, like, the same thing. is like if I have someone coming to me for a 1,000 calories and they refuse to eat more and they only will eat less and I can't do anything, which is not the case. But at that point, I will refund their money and send them on their way. Because, I mean, I refuse to ethically do that. Like, you wouldn't take someone who has a torn rotator cuff and be like, okay, snatch 100 pounds. Great. Love that. Like, right. let's do it. Even though to snatch is? No. Right. I had someone who, apparently she, I mean, it was just a lot, but she came to me after a while and was like, oh yeah, by the way, like I went to this doctor and he put me on this new diet, like I'm trying to lose weight. And I was thinking, oh, I thought you were happy with your weight this whole time. And her, she was being put at 1400 and BMR was 1500 mm-hmm. and I calculated for her and I was like, oh, by the way, if you're in a coma... But the doctor said, 1400 you can eat whatever you want. It doesn't matter. Eat whatever you want. And then on the weekends, eat whatever you want. Yep. And I was like, I'm telling you that in a coma, your body cannot sustain you eating 1,400 calories. And you are an active, living, moving human. And yep. you want to do that. And it, I, I just don't get it. It's crazy. And... And also, I mean, going off of that approach, if you can then eat whatever on the weekend, net calories, she's probably doing mm-hmm. nothing different. She's probably, your body is so smart that over the course of the weekend, her calorie levels will will level out to where she's realistically, she could just eat 800, 1,800 calories a day because that's what her weekends great. are doing. And she's still not going to see weight, res- weight loss results because that's her maintenance. Yeah. So that's where it's just like... It's frustrating. It's very frustrating. And it's coming from a doctor. So, yeah, you, so they, they must, must be, right. be right. But at that point, you just got to let people figure it Like, like yeah. you said, non-negotiables. I'm telling you all the things you need to do. I almost like cannot watch you do these things in the opposite direction of what I'm telling you to do and have you pay me. Right. Like, yeah, a lot of people take reps. Like it takes repetition for you to, like for me to tell you these things. But at some point, like this isn't working. This relationship isn't working. Right. And I mean, there's definitely, it's not like they're like, Oh no, I don't want to. And I'm like, okay, bye. It's like, okay. So there's obviously things that we're going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to take three to six months to get you to do what Mm -hmm. it is that I want. And I may try to trick you into it be like, okay, let's not track calories and macros. Let's just focus on hitting 120 grams of protein a day. Likely their carbs and fats aren't going to change too much, but we're increasing their intake via protein. Mm -hmm. So they're like, they're inherently doing more, eating more without me telling them. Um, I'll be like, hey, can you just eat more for a week? Maybe I'll try to pick out their period week and be like, hey, this week, 
I pick a random week, even though it's not random. I'm like, can you just eat this, this number of, this number of meals or this number of snacks per day? And they do it. And I'm, I'm logging their food Mm -hmm. kind of secretly for them. And I'm like, Hey, this week you actually ate 1600 calories. Your sleep went down or your sleep went up. Your stress went down, your energy went up and you overall felt better. This is why we're doing it. And usually then when I can just trick someone into doing what it is that I want them to do, mm-hmm. they will feel better. And, that's and then like they're buying. Right. Like, I, yeah. granted, I know I'm in an anomaly right now because I'm training for an Ironman, but like, I'm eating like 3,000 calories yeah. a day. And I'm still like, I'm like, this is amazing. And I have maintained my weight for the past three months, eating 3,000 calories a day. I know I'm, again, an anomaly right now just because I'm doing a lot. But still, like... I don't even think that's an anomaly. Because like you said, like, yeah. you're doing a lot and you're fueling to eat your demands. So it's like, okay. And then it's always funny when people are like, I just refuse to eat 1,600 calories. That's physically impossible. And I'm like, I'm eating 3,000 calories yeah. and I ate 400 grams of carbs <laughs> the other day. With mostly, like, quality foods. Yes, I ate Pop-Tarts, but like... Heck yes. It's 400 grams of carbs. What are you going to like do? You, you started somewhere. You didn't just go from, like, 1,000 calories to 3,000. No. And it's like, it took you steps... To get yes. to where you're comfortable with I that. started at 115 grams of carbs. Mm. And that's breakfast. Here I'm right. Yeah. And here that's two Pop Tarts. That's I think in terms what kind of, of Pop Tarts. Uh I was weird. I was in a weird mood last week. Um, like I ran into a couple of doors. Like it was just a weird mindset that I was in. So I went and grabbed Pop Tarts. Like literally ran into a couple yeah. doors? Yeah, I was like starting my words, which I already do often um, because I think I just end up getting so excited of what I'm going to say. But, um, and then I just completely walked into a door oh at the God. gym and they were like, Claire, you should probably go eat food. And I was like, I probably yes. should. I'm going to go get Pop-Tarts. But um, yeah, I got cookies and cream. Mm. I was deciding between brown sugar and cookies and Low-key cream. Low key brown sugar cinnamon. It, like That crunch is under good. Underrated for right. sure. So you mentioned before Ashley. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your team. Yeah. So I brought on two members. Um, in November, we trained for about two months, and then they started taking on clients in January. And it's I, I, Emily was at Pale Horse for at least six months before they moved to – or she changed gyms or moved mm-hmm. to Atlanta. Um, and then Ashley had been dropping in at the gym. And so both of them – Emily became one of my clients for about six or seven months so I knew Emily kind of through that. And this was in like, I think 2019. Mm-hmm. And then Ashley had just been interested in nutrition. She was starting coaching CrossFit. So she was just asking me how to start a nutrition business, content, setting up a website, whatever, how to kind of go about it. So I've been kind of helping her. Um, and when I would worked with Emily, she had mentioned she was interested in getting into nutrition. So she had asked like, would you recommend different like PN which certification Mm -hmm. should she go through so I kind of helped her with that and that was basically it and at that in like 2018 2019 I was like yeah I'm gonna grow a team this is gonna be great and then when I got to realistically like kind of talking to Emily back like two years ago I was like I have no business hiring a team I don't know what I'm doing I can't I have enough going on still not super comfortable I mean it I mean I'm obviously like three years into it like I you're still growing Mm -hmm. So I kind of was like, I'm just going to table that discussion and just wait for the right sign. And so literally sometime in October 2020, this past year, both of them don't know each other. And they sent me a message on the same day being like, hey, would you be interested in like a mentorship, internship or something or even employment? And I was like, well, I was thinking about 
the right time. And I was like, that's pretty much it's fair, right it. There. Yeah. So um, we, and I, all of 2020, I didn't lose clients per se, but because so much was happening, I was spending so much time on each client. Like mm. an hour a day, if I have 30 clients, that's 30 hours a week just on clients alone. On top of, I also do programming for some mm-hmm. clients. I run a business, business, I run a, <laughs> I run a business and I also write content, which is a full-time job in itself. So I basically had no idea how I was ever going to grow you a business. You were time for, yeah. yeah. I literally was like, I either have to work on the weekends or work until nine o'clock at night or quit coaching, which I never, or quit coaching CrossFit, yeah. which I don't know if I'll ever, oh, yeah, I'll be like 90 years that. old and I'll just be like, Okay, guys. All right, we're going to work on snatch. Yeah, and you're snatching. And so I was like, you know what? This is it. So we ended up just kind of talking. It all kind of fell into place. And I could not be, like, happier. Yay, that's great. How it's gone. I mean, Emily, they're different in many ways, but similar in many ways. Uh, And it's just so cool to see, like, Emily's so good interacting with clients, Ashley is amazing at content and they all have a different voice and it's just really cool to see them kind of grow into like their own comfort levels while also like giving me time to like have the boundary to be like, Hey, I'm not taking clients right now, but you can work with one of my coaches and I get to do really cool things. Like I just completely kind of went through and edited out a lot of stuff in my site. I got devoted way more time to like thoughtful content and hopefully like this year going to be like running out like a membership site for people who don't have money to drop 150 plus dollars of dollars of dollars dollars of dollars, dollars, of dollars, dollars of cents. per month on coaching and be like okay you can't pay a hundred or two hundred dollars a month but okay what about forty dollars a month and it's obviously not going to be the same you're not getting one-on-one coaching but mm-hmm. it's you'll get like a set of macros or a basic plan and mm-hmm. and if you ever want to upgrade that option's there but it's something that it's really cool they each have like five or six clients um which means that I would have had to add 10 to 12 to my roster and I don't have that capacity so it's you get to help more people yeah and And help Emily and Ashley do something that they love and they're fulfilled with yeah and again like they're doing such a good job I mean Ashley is working with a ton of shift workers right now and it's cool to see her like make cool progress in that I wouldn't have been able to make because I just didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I, it's obviously a scary endeavor, but to see it like kind of pay off is really rewarding. Well, and like you said, three years and like you're full, like that's yeah. awesome. That's so exciting. Yeah. And I worked like a year or so ago up to like 50 clients and I oh. probably wasn't there. My lifestyle, I like my life was miserable and Not it was miserable. It. So it's again, if I want to work with more people, there's gotta be some give and I didn't want to up my rates. Like, I was on a thread the other day, and they're like, yeah, how much do you charge for nutrition coaching? And people were like, $600 a month, or $1,000 a month, or they charge like $12,000 for the whole year of coaching. And it was just like, Ooh. I my ideal clientele and the type of people that I work with, like, I want it to be part of their lifestyles where it's enough of a financial accountability, but it's not something to where money's not the only factor like yeah. maybe there's some give and take but I want it to be accessible yeah that makes sense like for so, your ideal client for yeah. sure so I think I could talk all day right um, I absolutely love what you do thanks I want you to know that like you are the reason why I was like I want to get nutrition certified mm-hmm. because like it's just been such a hole in PT that I feel like 
is just a missing piece. Like it's foundational at this point. And I love all your content. I think you do an amazing job and you're doing amazing in this community. So thank thank you for that. I appreciate it. Where can our followers find you? Yeah. So my Instagram handle is claire.claritynutrition. And then my team both are like Ashley or Emily dot clarity mm-hmm. nutrition. Um, on top of that, like Instagram is probably the best way we have a Facebook page. Um, but that's usually just regurgitated Instagram content. So Instagram is usually the best for content. We put out a lot of free stuff. Um, and I have a newsletter. So if you go on my website, which is clarity.com, or you can just go through my Instagram page, you can, um, check out blogs. That we do, there's literally set up your diet from point a to, the final destination all for free. So again, nothing's completely cost driven. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you can also subscribe to newsletters where like, I know I sent out an email Monday where, um, we talked about like meal prep and that wasn't put on Instagram. So that's where like you can get even more free content. Yeah. That's, and I mean, if you're ever interested in signing up for coaching, usually it starts with like an application form on my website or a DM or something like that. And everything begins with an initial consult, which is always free. Um, just again, like I'm a really good coach, but not for everyone. Um, I'm going to be way more empathetic. So if you want someone who's going to say like, yeah, you messed up this weekend, not Not me, I'm not going to say that. Um, but some people don't need that. Some people want that. So it always begins with the consult just to make sure like it's a good fit. I realistically can help you and the right person um, to do so. So that's, I think, every avenue that we've tried. Yeah, every pot. Do you have a Twitter? Oh, I do have a Twitter, but oh I don't really God. use it. Sometimes I just want to use it to talk about cats, but then I'm like, mm, wow. I can't alienate my dog lovers out there. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm a dog lover. Come on. My <laughs> dog's birthday was yesterday. No, my gosh, it's today. It's today. We celebrated oh, yesterday. Phyllis's birthday is this month. Phyllis? What's the yeah. other one? Stanley. Phyllis and Stanley. Yes. Oh, the office. It's that's not really great. for the office, but it works out. It definitely works out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for this. This has been awesome. Everyone who's listening, thank you. We hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Head on over to Instagram. Find us at Healthy Charleston. Leave us a review on iTunes. If you ever have any topics you want us to talk about or guests you want to bring on, feel free to DM us. Otherwise, thanks again.